Hey everyone, welcome back to the Eminem Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCowan. And today we will be doing a free agency recap. Um, we're going to start with the Eastern Division and like, or Eastern Conference, I should say. And per usual, Chase and I figure that we'll probably split it into East and West. So the West will be coming out in a day or two. Um, so let's just get right into it. Uh, let's go division by division. We will start with the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, who, and I'm just scrambling here to um, actually pull up Cap Friendly's interactive um, um, tool here as I pull up Carolina's roster. It sounds like this is a team that might still be in on some players. I know Vladimir Tarasenko is a rumored name uh, to be linked with Carolina. Uh, I think he, he's there. There. It, it's between him and Ottawa. So if have you seen an update in the past hour or two? Uh, Shayna just said he's in Carolina. No terms. Okay. So, yeah. So when this is out, there's a very good chance that Tarasenko could be part of this lineup, which... Uh, Assuming it's not a multi-year massive contract, like I would kind of guess it'd be a one-year deal. Um, I think that would be a very good addition to this team, kind of what they were aiming with Pacioretty last year. Yeah, exactly. They've done this a few times. I'm kind of blanking on names. We go for just like offensive talent, clearly betting that your team play driving, like your system will cover the play driving up. And I think that makes sense. This is a better bet with them than the Rangers. Yep, and uh, they've had a pretty bit busy offseason. I touched on the Jordan Stahl deal last week, Jason. First of all, I should say welcome back. Uh, how did I don't know if you want to reach out just or tell people how the draft went, but I mentioned you were down there for the week. Uh, how did you enjoy Nashville? Oh, Nashville's awesome. Minus the heat. The heat was a pretty aggressive adjustment, but uh, it was a ton of fun. Just everything going on for the draft. It's a good time. I would recommend uh, everyone, if you care about hockey enough to listen to this podcast, you should go to the draft at least once in your life. It was cool. Yeah, it probably doesn't hurt that's a, a city like Nashville and not uh yeah. I mean, no no offense to Columbus or anything like that, but something tells me it, it, I'm sure it'd still be a great time, but something tells me it might not be quite as good of a time. Yeah, exactly. Nashville, the fact that it was in Nashville did not hurt at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I talked about the Jordan Stahl uh, contract last week briefly, and I don't think, uh, you know, four years is longer than I was expecting to be, but at $2.9 million, how can you really complain? And and honestly, Jordan Stahl feels like the type of guy where if he realizes he's hurting this team by the end of the deal, he'll probably just LTIR himself. Um, other than that, they signed Jesper Fast, or re-signed Jesper Fast, I should say, but it happened on July 1st. Uh, two years, uh, $2.4 million cap hit. I really like this deal. I don't know what you chase, but I think Fast is the perfect kind of bottom six guy um, to add. And and again, um, they, they didn't really add term, which um, as we talk about Carolina here, for sure, it's going to be something. But I, I told you this offline as well. This is the first year in free agency I can remember in a long, long time where for the most part, GMs actually restricted themselves from giving out stupid, lengthy contracts to guys that don't deserve one. Uh, every year, it do- even the past year or two, it doesn't matter what the cap situation's like. We always hear, oh, well, GMs aren't sure what they're going to do. And then some random third liner goes as a five by five or whatever. And and don't get me wrong, that's happened to a couple cases here and we'll, we'll touch on them. But for the most part, like this is this is the least amount of overall years I can remember a bunch of players getting. Yeah, there's probably like a full full scale analysis to be done here, but it seems like the amount of regret that usually is obvious is a lot lower after this offseason than than the rest of them. Absolutely, because as we work through 
Uh, and the reason I brought this up was because Michael Bunting signs with this team three years, $4.5 million. Um, that is a very solid contract to be signing on July 1st, uh, 27 years old. Obviously, you know, Bunting showed he can play on a top line. If he's the third best player, he can also play lower down the lineup. Um, the, the reason I compare this is like, didn't McKayev get 4.5 for five just a year or two ago from Vancouver? And like, I think I don't so. think Bunting's any worse than a player than McKayev. No, he's probably better. Yeah. So like, um, that's the one that really came to mind. I think that's a, another solid deal. Uh, obviously, we talked about the Hurricanes. This is their year to go for it uh, because they have a bunch of UFA and RFA players up next year to to very important pieces uh, to round out their moves um, on the skaters. <laughs> yeah, literally, their entire team is up next year. Uh, they also signed Dmitry Orlov to a two-year deal, $7.75 million cap hit. Um, my first thought was that's a pretty high cap hit, but for two years, it'll probably be around fair for a guy in Orlov who I would classify him as like a, a number two defenseman. Yeah, I didn't mind it. It seems like they're giving themselves out um, yep. so that they, they're not like screwed going into negotiations with guys like Pesci where it's like, oh, you absolutely need me and you're screwed if I'm not there next year. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. And like even looking at it through the lens of like, I'm sure they probably won't want to trade Orlov next year, but let's say they get extensions done with like five pieces of their core and they go, shoot, we need to make some cap room. Like I'm sure Orlov is at one year, 7.75 is a pretty easy deal to move off of. Yeah. Or even if you retain 1.75, one by six for Orlov or something, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, The two moves that I found, found the most interesting was they brought back both their goaltenders. Anti Ranta, one year, 1.5. Frederick Anderson, two years, 3.4 per for 6.8 total. Um, not something I thought they were going to do, considering they do have Kotchkev on the team. Just re-signed him to a four-year deal at $2 million, and he needs waivers. So I'm going to be very curious to see what the plan is with three goalies here. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I just assumed by following the money, Ranta's going to end up as the odd man out. But I don't know. It was weird. Maybe they think with that cap hit they can squeeze one of them in the minors, or maybe they really do just want to go with three goalies to start because we know the injury history on the two that they signed, especially. But I, I was yeah. just, yeah, I was very surprised to see both of them come back. Everyone is broke. Like they actually probably will be able to squeeze whoever through to the minors. But yeah, it's it's weird to see three NHL goalies on a roster on NHL contracts. Yeah, exactly. Especially because Ranta and Anderson were both fine last year. It's not like they were atrocious or anything. Yeah, and they took discounts to come back, which was surprising to me. Mm-hmm. So um, that's Carolina's uh, offseason so far. I mean, again, I think um, Tarasenko might swing this a little more aggressively one way or the other. But overall, I'm going to give them um, – I'll give them an A. I-, I think they've done a very good job this year of, as you said – making sure they have outs in different places for next year, but also supplementing the talent that they've lost this year as well. And they're going to be a cup favorite heading into next year for a reason. So um, they still have $2.8 million in projected cap space. We'll see what they do with that. If that all goes to Tarasenko, but uh, yeah, I've really liked their off season so far. Yeah, I think that's fine. Probably go like B plus. I don't think they did anything like crazy, but they just, they did. It was a very hurricanes off season. They just consistently made good decisions. Yeah, I think the big thing for me is getting both Bunting and Orlov on what I think is fair cap hit deals, but for yeah. two and three year term is absolutely massive. Well, that's the big advantage of them being one contender with cap space. 
Yeah, exactly. It's not like, like Toronto couldn't afford to give Michael Bunting 4.5, even if they wanted to, without having yeah, to move exactly. another piece out, right? Yeah, like no teams that good had the had the flexibility they did coming into this. They got to spend a ton, and then they're still going to be able to sign Tarasenko, and then presumably still have enough space to add someone at the deadline on top of that. Yeah, exactly. So with all their um, picks, yeah, it's good yeah, luck. Exactly. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets are the next team up, and they had a very very quiet uh, July first. In fact, the only player they signed was their first round draft pick, who is not. What we expected it to be. Adam Fantilli drops to the third overall pick, which Columbus takes him in the NHL entry draft uh, with the Ducks taking um, um, Leo Carlson, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was playing on his name there for a second. Uh, the Ducks go off the board, feels aggressive because Leo Carlson, and correct me if I'm wrong here, was definitely in the grouping of the top players. Uh, but everyone yeah. seemed pretty convinced Fantilli was going to go too uh, if it wasn't going to be Mitchkov. Yeah, Carlson was like the consensus three because, I mean, I, he wasn't as good as Mitchkov, but obviously way safer, bigger guy, plays center, all those things. And like, I would have bet significant amounts of money that Fantilli goes to. Like, Fantilli had better statistics. He's a Canadian kid, defensively responsible center who's six foot three. Like, I, Fantilli seems like someone who every team would just pick two. And not even think twice about it. So I was pretty floored by it, but I mean, good for Columbus. Yeah, Columbus got to be jumping through the the roof here. So um, it's yeah, but they first line center next year. Yeah, like it, I mean, in talent for sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they use Boone Jenner as a first line guy to try and like shed, uh, shield Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger and Adam Fantilli, who are all listed as centers. I mean, Kent Johnson, I think, will slide to the wing as well in his career, but. Cylinder, Fantilli, Cylinder, Johnson's not a bad one, two, three to be building down the middle with going forward. Yeah, you could do a lot worse than that. Um, so they haven't made any other moves so far, which again isn't the most shocking to me because they're kind of up against it against the cap, especially when they have Zakarensky off of IR, I believe. So, um, I mean, there's not much to talk about their offseason other than I'm just not really sure what this Columbus team is going to be. Um, you know, we've already talked about them. They brought in Provorovs and Damian Severson uh, through trades. So, like, I, I guess we we probably shouldn't be too surprised. They really didn't do too much on July 1st because a lot of their dealing they did the week before, which uh, not always the worst thing in the world. But again, I, I made I think we both made our feelings clear on that. Um, those trades themselves and how we really felt about them. But uh you know, it is what it is. Not much to talk about with Columbus, but that's okay. Unless you have anything else, I think we can just keep moving along and keep this uh, episode on time here. Yeah, yeah, I think we covered pretty much everything important in Columbus's offseason already. So I don't know what done to add other than that. Yep, I definitely agree. Uh, the New Jersey Devils are another team that uh, has made a couple moves, and uh, their July first was definitely or around you know their July first. They didn't make any. Serious, serious moves. Their biggest one was Michael McLeod, one year, one point four million dollars, and Nathan Bastian, one or two years, one point three five uh, per. The, but uh, the big move that they made uh, between last week and this week was Timo Meyer, eight years, eight point eight million dollars. They get him signed on. Uh, I talked about the uh, Jesper Bratt contract as well, who signs eight years, seven point eight seven five. So their core is officially locked in. Chase, this team is ready to go. Uh, they also made the Tyler Toffoli trade, which I had spoken about uh, last year. Man, it's uh, this team looks like they're going to be 
one of the contenders for a number of years. And apparently, you know, they still might be looking to add a goalie, but they said they are comfortable with Vanacek and Schmid uh, if they need to do that. So they have about $5.6 million in cap space and all they need to re-sign is Kevin Ball. They could make another move yet if they really want to, but um, this is a well-built team is all I can say. Yeah, they're a wagon. Like they just, they look like they're going to be amazing. And everybody's cheap. Like it's pretty hard to find holes in the roster, to be honest. Yeah, like it's, and then this is the benefit of getting guys like Jack Hughes at $8 million through his entire 20s is that, and like even the Timo Mardio, I will say with the Timo Mardio, I saw people being like, what a steal. Like I think 8.8 is exactly perfect value for what I would want to sign for a guy like Timo Meyer. He probably is a little above 8.8 right now, but like years three and four of that contract, I don't think it's going to be an absolute steal. So I think this is the perfect market value. Yeah. Yeah. No, the deal just makes sense. It's, and it's, it's a bit of a luxury contract because Hughes is so cheap and so is his shit, right? Yep, exactly. And, and that's, you know, um, yes, for Brat 7.875 for his entire twenties as well. Like exact kind of way I feel about it. Very solid contract, you know, by the end of it, maybe you're closing your eyes a little bit, but that's eight years down the road. You have a solid, solid six, seven-year window here to just kind of keep retooling your team and going for it. Yeah, they can just throw different variations of this roster at the playoffs and see what happens. And they really, like, like they have their team set now. Luke Hughes and Simon Nemec will be the two in a couple of years that they'll need to worry about. But, like, like right now they have their core set and they have $5.6 million to play with. So like it just an absolutely beautifully built team. Yeah, it's it's insane how everything looks for them. Like you couldn't line it up better in a video game. No, no, absolutely not. And like they still have almost all their picks for the next three years. They're missing their second and fourth uh, and seventh next year, but they have an extra fifth and they have national seventh. So they're they're missing two pick or one pick total next year. And it's a second rounder. So. Um, yeah, like they're just they're they're in a very good spot, and uh, again, not not a ton to talk about with this team, but that's okay because uh, let's move on to the New York Islanders, who there is a ton to talk about. Um, they also signed both their goalies to extensions uh, this year, or the, the, sorry, on July first. Uh, let's start with that. Semyon Varlamov comes back at four years, two point seven five million dollars. That is the most classic Lou contract I've ever seen. Signing a thirty five year old goalie for four years, um, definitely better than two point seven five. Like. For a backup or guy who's going to be playing 35, 30 games, 35 games for you, probably fair value. But then they turn around and sign Sorokin uh, a year ahead of time, I should say. He's not, I don't think he was in UFA this year, but um, eight years, $8.25 million cap hit, $66 million total. Uh, give me your thoughts on the Sorokin contract because I think on face value, you go, oh, that's a steal. Sorokin is a lot older than uh, I think most people would guess. Yeah, this was riskier than it looks. You don't obviously you take more cheap years, but you probably prefer this contract kicks in sooner rather than later. Although if you're Lou Morello, who cares? Not gonna be your problem. But like, it's a lot bigger risk than I think people are going to say. With that being said, I think it's the kind of risk you essentially just have to take. Yeah, especially with Hellebuck maybe being on the market already, and we know that goalie markets just aren't that good to begin with. I feel yep. like this is the right call. Um, 
again, he'll be 28 when he kicks in. So it's not like this will take him. It's not like he's signing it when he's 30 or anything like that. I just, I feel like in most people's head, because Sorokin was over in Russia for so long and, and even didn't really break through the Islanders didn't give him maybe the chance he needed to break through right away. That like, I bet you, if you pull the average fan, they think he's 24, not 27. Yes. Yeah. And that always happens with the Euro guys who come over really late like that. Yeah. But, the nice thing is most of the contract, the bad part of the contract is not going to hurt them because they're not going to be competitive anyways. So like you're so far in on this core, given everything else, you might as well sign this contract. Yeah. Cause you want to talk about more terms, two guys get seven. And again, most Lou thing in the world, given two of his own guys, seven years in term, Scott Mayfield, seven years, $3.5 million cap hit. Pierre Engvall, seven years, $3 million cap hit. So the thing I don't get about this, because I've heard people toss this around as, oh, Lou, and, and Ken Holland's a very another classic of this, I, I find a lot of times, is, oh, well, they'll give longer terms so that they either maybe don't have to attach a no-trade clause or they can lower the AAV a little bit. To me... Especially for Scott Mayfield, who was giving Scott Mayfield that much over three point five million dollars AAV that you had to give him seven years? Yeah, Lush seems sure seems a bit against himself and these things quite consistently. And it's my same thought about Pierre Engvall, where it's like maybe some team would have given him four by four, but that is the absolute limit. I would have guessed. Yeah, I don't think Engvall's getting. Like, he's not even getting the Mikheyev contract. Well, then that's what, yeah, like Bunting, he's not better than Bunting. No. No, he wasn't better than Bunting on his own team. Like, I don't know. What does Angvall get on a four year deal? Like, three, three point and a half? five? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, five years, 3.25? I just, I don't understand who this dude was betting against that he needed to give him seven years of term and a modified no trade clause. Yeah. Like it's 16 teams. It's Angval. And Scott Mayfield has a no trade clause as well. Um, from 2023 to 2027, full no trade clause. And then the last two years is a 16 team no trade list. Last three that, years, sorry. That's, yeah, he's going to be 37 on that contract. Yeah, like they're just, they're so hard committed to this team. And I just don't understand why, because it's so obvious that Lou goes, this is not going to be my issue. I don't give a shit what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Very obviously couldn't care less. And it's like, how do you not have a little oversight to stop that? Because this team feels like they're going to be so boned and they're not even good now. Yeah. Well, that's the scariest part. I mean, it's one thing to if one thing to go all in if you're the Pens. It's like, well, we have Sid, you know. Yep, Tampa Bay. Yep. You know, all those good teams, Washington even. Like, a lot of them, it can make sense. This core didn't win anything. They don't really owe them anything, and they don't look like there's a reasonable argument as to how they're going to win anything next. So I don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't understand either. The only other move they made was trading Josh Bailey's $5 million salary with a second to the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks then bought out Josh Bailey. Um yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I'm going to, oh, sorry, I guess we're doing grades as well. I will give the Blue Jackets a C plus C just because they literally didn't do anything. So there's nothing to judge them on. Like an NA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the Devils get, uh, 
B, B minus, B minus. They again, they didn't really do anything either, but they didn't have to do anything. Well, who went B because the Timo Meyer contract was right on par with yeah. what it should have been. Um, yeah, I'd go but, with B. I like the Toffoli train too. Yep, yeah, yeah, very solid. If we're if we're adding that in, yeah, B, B plus maybe. Um, the Islanders, I'm going to give a C, C minus. I just i I don't really get why you need to get Mayfield and Engvall seven years in term each, and even Varlamov four years. It just seems aggressive. Yeah, and it's also such a self fulfilling prophecy. Like again, where like with the Sorokin contract, it's like, well, given where you are, you have to sign this deal. And honestly, even given where you are, I guess you can sign justify the Engvall and Mayfield contracts, but it's like. It's your fault you're here. Like, you put yourself in a terrible spot and then sign things that are justifiable because you're in a terrible spot. It's not that great of a defense. Yeah, I just, I don't see where the growth is coming from with this team, you know? Yeah. Like, you just, they've locked everyone into their mid-30s. It's like, well, you had a down year last year, but what is there to think that that's that's bad luck and not just you're the ninth best team in the conference, tenth best team in the conference? Yeah, you just are the ninth best team in the conference. Yeah, like, so, I don't know. If they're, I mean, I can't imagine we have too many Islanders fans still listening to us, but it probably doesn't sound too much different than in years past on this podcast. But, again, like, there's been times where we defend a couple of what the Islanders have been doing or, like, trying to build to their team. To me, this is just, well, we like our guys, we're going to resign them, which, again, makes sense if you were a top five team in your conference when you were the, 10th best team or whatever doesn't exactly make sense. Yeah, it makes absolutely none. So, uh, all right, let's move on to the New York Rangers, who um, had a busy July 1st. Um, a lot of guys that I would say maybe aren't the uh, biggest name players, that's for sure. Um, but they definitely, they, they made, I think, 10 signings, it looks like here. Uh, we will skip most of them just because a lot of them have literally under a million dollar cap hit. The only one I really wanted to touch on was Blake Wheeler, who signs a one-year deal, 800K cap hit. It also has, I believe, uh, 200 to 300K in incentive bonuses as well. Um, that would apply to next year's cap hit as, uh, as well. Um, I, I don't mind this gamble. I mean, again, it kind of feels like what they did with Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, but they don't have to give any assets up and there's literally no cap hit. Um, so I, I think Blake Wheeler can kind of help them be be a power play merchant specialist who just kind of plays on their third or fourth line or whatever. I For this cap hit, I, re- I really don't mind it. Yeah, I saw some people complaining about it, but it's it's 800K. How mad can you really be when he still has playmaking upside? Yep, exactly. The only way this will really be bad is if they're like, no, we have to use this guy in like a top line role for whatever reason. I don't see them doing that. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah. Like he scored 55 points last year. It's been one of the most ineffective high point players for a very long time. But I mean, if you get an ineffective 50 points out of him for 800 K, I fail to see how that's a problem. Yeah. That's uh 35 more points than you might get out of an ineffective fourth line. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the only other, they signed Jonathan Quick uh, to be the backup on their team. Again, that kind of feels like name chasing more than anything else. Uh, Nick Benino, one year, 800K. Eric Gustafson, one year, 825K. Riley Nash, two years, 775K. I don't mind any of those deals. Again, not needle movers or anything, but I think all three of those are just kind of fine depth additions. Yeah, yeah, that all just makes sense. Cheap, cheap bets. Yep. So I'm going to give them a B as well. Like I, there wasn't really 
a ton for this team to do. Uh, Lafreniere is still an RFA. That'll be their their big question. They have $6 million in cap A and K. Andre Miller. So uh, that'll be where the rest of their cap hit goes. I didn't really have much that they could do with this, uh, this free agency, but given how their roster is already laid out, I think that they've added some decent depth and I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'd say the same. B. I, I don't mind the Wheeler bet. I like Gustafson. Um, I really like Gabe Pro, guy that drafted. He's like the the model super, our model superstar. So I'm mostly on the back of picking Gabe. I'll give him a B for the offseason. Yeah, so there we go. Um, all right, on to the Philadelphia Flyers, who are uh, a very active team. That's for sure. This uh, this offseason, they they made a couple signings uh, on the. Uh, Day of free agency, none super, super notice, uh, notable, I would say, uh, in terms of actual name value. Like Mark Stahl got one year, $1.1 million. That just feels like a, a warm body. And then Garnet Hathaway, two years, $2.35 million. Again, they need someone to play. Uh, the Hathaway deal feels like a classic one that they could flip next summer or at the deadline or whatever for a pick next year. Uh, and teams even seem to love Mark Stahl, so maybe they'll be able to to flip him as well. I, I don't really know, but uh, uh, they've been more definitely active in terms of they traded away Kevin Hayes, uh, retained 50% of his salary, only got a sixth-round pick back, which I was a little surprised by. I really thought that uh, Hayes at 50% retained would get a little more than that, but I guess you know there are multiple years, and that's just how much his value has really dropped, eh? Yeah, I was also very shocked by that but i mean i guess if you're philly you'd rather take the money yeah exactly like i i don't think um they're too worried about it um clearly but it's just yeah one of the things that uh surprised me a little bit and uh, i guess that's all they really did i i it just feels like a team that was more um like the the rumors around them were more busy but they haven't traded carter hart yet um they obviously they picked up Sean Walker in a deal. They were going to trade D'Angelo and then the league blocked that they were going to trade him to Carolina, but uh, the league stepped in because they were going to retain salary, which Carolina had already traded D'Angelo with salary a year earlier. So that would have uh, been a CBA issue. So I guess, you know, maybe their, their summer hasn't been quite as busy as I thought, but Travis connect has been in a lot of talks too. I wouldn't be shocked if they moved on from him at some point this summer as well. Um, I'm going to give them a C plus and um, they've done fine, but you know, like they, they still got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's fine. I think they're going to, I wouldn't be shocked if a couple more guys go like even like they pick, pick Mitchkov not coming over for three years. seems like they're probably, it's going to get even worse, even though it was not particularly good to begin with. Yep, exactly. Just, yeah, the, the Mitchcock thing is obviously the biggest thing about their offseason so far. Huge win for them yeah. uh, on that. So Yeah, I would consider giving them a just on getting Mitchcock. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. I, I didn't. I was really putting in the draft. I'll bump it up to a B uh, for getting Mitchcock. But yeah. the, what just, they've done in free agency has just been fine. Yeah, they haven't done anything crazy. But they do directionally understand what needs to happen with new management, which is good because old management did not get that. Absolutely. I think that's why if you're a Philly fan, you're totally okay with what they've done so far because there's a clear direct path, which literally the first time we can say that about Philly in like a decade plus. Yeah. Yeah. You should be absolutely thrilled. The Pittsburgh Penguins are next and oh boy, in classic Kyle Dubas fashion, he made a bunch of moves. Uh, There was four or five two way contracts. They signed. We're not going to touch on those. Uh, He traded for, Cup winner Riley Smith, 
For a third-round pick, they get Riley Smith. He makes $5 million against the cap currently for, uh, I believe it is two more years. Yes, it is. So this year and next. Um, they are currently 1.5 over the cap uh, right now. I think they're going to try and find a way to move off of Jeff Carter and maybe if they can, Mikel Granlin. Um, but definitely one of those two guys will put them under. Uh, other moves that they made that were a little notable, Alex Nadelkovic comes back in, or go, signs with them in net. One year, 1.5. He will be probably the third goalie. I'm assuming they're going to think that they can sneak in through waivers. Tristan Jari, though, five years, 5.375 per, $26.875 million uh, total value. This was a guy that I think everyone kind of thought was going to be on its way out of Pittsburgh. But I guess that's what happens when new management comes in. Dubas might have come in and said, no, we actually like him a little more than the old management did. We just need to build the team different around him. And I think this is a reasonably fair contract for a 28-year-old goalie. Again, it's going to take him to at least 33, maybe a little back-end risk, but about $5 million is what I would have put Jari's market value at just because he's a weird goalie, right? Like sometimes he's above $5 million and sometimes he is below it. Yeah, this seems like a good price tag for him in that, I mean, there's legitimate upside with him, so he's worth the risk, especially when you have Crosby and Malkin on your roster in their mid to late 30s. But, like, it's also not so high that if you get the mediocre Jari that we've seen a couple times, it's the end of the world. And even, like, Jari's bad. He's been, has been, like, league average or whatever, which if you're paying $5 million for league average goaltending, you're not thrilled about it, but it's it's not a problem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then he goes and signs, a, again, very classic Dubas fashion here. Bunch of depth forwards. Uh, Nolachari gets three years, $2 million per, $6 million total. He clearly liked what he saw with uh, Chari in Toronto. Lars Eller gets two years, 2.45 on the cap hit, 4.9 per, uh, 34-year-old centerman. He'll be their third or fourth center. And then Matt Nieto gets one year or two years, actually, 900K salary. So very those are all very classic Dubas contracts, in my opinion. The big one that I'm not really sure about is Ryan Graves, six years, $4.5 million cap hit, $27 million total. I don't mind Ryan Graves, but for a 28-year-old defenseman, six years of term, $4.5 million in cap hit feels a little, a little aggressive compared to some of the other deals we saw given out in July 1st. I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think that is literally the worst move Kyle Dubas has ever made. Yeah, like, it's it's got to be up there, right? Like, it's, at least, especially without using hindsight. Yeah, because that's obviously the... Cadre deal was the worst outcome of anything Dubas has ever had, but, like, everyone's... Maybe you could argue the Felino deal. Yeah, Felino deal was pretty bad, too. And it... Yeah, the Felino deal was that's true but like the graves deal is definitely the worst signing i think he's ever made yeah like it just wasn't i, I say the other ones were characteristic of dubas and even picking up like riley smith for five million dollars i think is a pretty shrewd move for a team that desperately that nice needs deal. depth scoring but yeah like graves is the exact opposite and i get it you're getting some cap space because they're letting uh dumoulin go but like i don't think ryan graves is replacing dumoulin as or the, definitely not the effective years of brian dumoulin of you know four, three to four years ago yeah, like, I mean, Graves is a league average player. That's fine. But, I mean, the best part about having Kyle Dubas, we learned in Toronto, is that you don't need to pay somebody like Graves almost $5 million into their age 35 season. Yep. Yep. 100%. So, 
Um, I'm going to give the offseason a C plus. I just the Graves contract to me dominates everything else they've done. I think the Jari contract is fine, and I think that the depth he added at forward is good. But that Jari, that's uh, that that Graves contract, I just I really don't see the value value in it at all. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with like a yeah, I think C plus a good, just not disastrous. There's enough decent moves, but the Graves one just felt like such an unforced error. Yeah, one one hundred percent. So um, it'll be interesting to see what this team does going forward as well. Like I'm, I'm just I'm getting excited again about you know I, I think that the additions that they made will really help out when Crosby and Malkin aren't on the ice, which it was the sole thing they needed last year to make the playoffs. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this team is back in the playoff hunt again, um, but it'll be interesting to see what their upside can uh, truly be with, you know, just the, the age of some of their stars now. Yeah, I'm interested to watch this team next year. Yeah. More which... than I was going into this year, even though they're probably going to be worse, not through Dubas, just through the aging of those stars. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a really good way to put it as well. Um all right, on to the last team in the division. That's the Washington Capitals, who say have a relatively quiet uh, offseason slash uh, um, free agency anyways. Um, they did sign Max Pacioretty, one year, $2 million. That feels like a, a pretty fine prove-it deal. Um, sounds like Pacioretty did have, or sorry, yeah, one year, $2 million, and then there's also $2 million in extra incentives. I'm assuming those are probably on like things like games played. Um, just, you know, obviously coming off of two ACL surgeries, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Other than that, they didn't sign anyone for over a million dollars. Uh, they did pick up Joel Edmondson from the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal retains 50%. Uh, gets one, So Edmondson's $1.75 million, and I believe it's he is up at the end of this year. Yes, he is. So he's UFA at the end of this year. They give up a, sec, or a third and a seventh. It's not crazy value, but I just... I don't really understand this trade because I don't totally get what Washington's going for. Like they've said, they've made it clear that they want to get out Ovechkin the goal record and they don't want him just doing it on the 30th best team or whatever. But like, I just don't understand how Joel Edmondson helps move the needle doing that. Yeah. I'm also not entirely sure if they, they have a choice um, <laughs> about, Ovi school record coming on a team that nobody cares about. Yeah, I mean, like, I think naturally, I, I kind of get what they're saying in terms of they, like, they've made it pretty clear that even if they are the 19th best team in the league, they would much prefer that than literally being the Arizona Coyotes, where Ovechkin's just getting peppered with shots for the full four minute, two minute power play that they're out, where there's literally no option or whatever. Yeah, and that's fair. It's just, I don't know. They seem pretty lukewarm. Pittsburgh's in the division and just a better version of them. Yeah, like I, to me, it just feels very obvious that they're just kind of treading water until he hits this record and probably till his contract's up and he either retires or go to the KHL in three years and then they'll they'll probably really tear it down, you know, because Backstrom's UFA, because Nensov and Oshie are both UFAs in two years, Ovi three years, Mantha and Wilson are up this year. Like, I think this will, this year, more than any other year especially, feels like them just kind of biding their time until they can start moving off of this core. Yeah, which I guess that does make sense. Yeah, so overall, uh, I'll give them, 
Again, a C plus, mostly just because they didn't really do much. I think the Pacioretty bet's a fine one. Um, I don't really love the Joel Edmondson trade, so maybe I'll bump it down to a C, C minus. Like, I just, I don't blame them for not doing too much, but what they did just isn't very inspiring. Yeah, that's fair. I, somewhere around there, their offseason itself is pretty forgettable. I, I really did like the draft, though. It would have been really cool if they got Mitch off, but... Mitchkov would have been sweet, but uh, Leonard's a fine enough pick. Chris Tall's a nice value. Cameron Allen's a nice, like, a high upside defensive bet. Uh, I like their draft. It's their strongest thing. And then they basically didn't do anything else interesting. So, yeah, C-plus or something. Yeah, which, and to be honest, like, having a strong draft in a year like this where you're just kind of killing time is probably exactly what you want to have, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have a good draft than a good free agency. That's for sure. Yeah, especially when you're a team like this that we're literally just talking about, like they they need to just figure out how to get to the next step. So it's not yeah. like it's yeah, like Tampa having a good draft at this point. It goes well, you know they they're not going to have anyone who uses it this year, and that's what they need. So yeah, all right. There's one division down. We will get to the other one, but first we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors at Athletic Greens. Their signature AG One is the highest quality ingredient, strictest manufacturing standards, uh, and more. Made of 75 of the highest quality. Vitamins, minerals, and whole food source nutrients in the world and manufactured to the strictest quality standards. It is even NSF certified for sport, a robust certification process that involves ingredient and finished batch testing of AG1. Simply follow the link in our show description and get started today. All right, Chase, on to the Atlantic Division. Uh, plenty to talk about here for sure. And we will start, as we always do, alphabetically with the Boston Bruins. Uh, who have definitely made a lot of noise. It does not sound like either Patrice Bergeron or David Krejci is coming back. They have said that they're still kind of working under the operation that they would like them back, uh, but they don't see it likely that it's happening, which, again, fair enough after we watched them go all in last year. Um, the one I talked about that uh, you weren't here for is they traded Nick uh, Nick Felino's signing rights and Taylor Hall uh, contract to the Chicago Blackhawks. I'll get all, off of all $6 million for Ian Mitchell, Mitchell and Alex Regula. Kind of a deal that they just had to make, uh, it feels like, but uh, definitely a tough one just given the position because, you know, um, I, I was definitely more in favor of this on Chicago side, getting a guy like Taylor Hall to, you know, kind of help protect Shane Wright, or not Shane Wright, uh, Connor Bedard uh, versus Boston, where, you know, it kind of felt like they had to get off that money um, but at the same time, like, it's not like they have, they don't have a ton of depth forwards and I'm going to be a little worried about their depth scoring this year. Yeah. The depth's going to get pretty ugly, pretty fast. They're going to be a really interesting team to watch. Cause part of me thinks like they've been so efficient for so long, maybe they will buck this trend, but also, I mean, if this was finally the year the bill came due on paper, it would make a ton of sense. Yeah, like you got to wonder how much of that efficiency is having a guy like Bergeron who can play twenty four minutes a night no problem. <laughs> yeah, how does the how does the system look when Pavel Zak is the number one center to start the season? Yeah, and like Morgan Kiki is your second right now. Charlie yeah. Coyle maybe. Yeah, like I I have faith they're gonna ice a good top line. Like when their best five players are on, it won't matter that Charlie Coyle or Pavel Zak or whoever it is is the center because. The other four will be Pasternak, Marshawn, McAvoy, Lindholm. But outside of that, I don't know. There's not a ton to like. Yeah, and just like, 
like I don't hate the JVR bet one year, $1 million. That's fine. But like yeah, if you're betting bad. on 34 year old JVR to be the depth scorer that Taylor Hall was last year, like good luck. Yeah. That's the problem. Like I'm, this is mainly his leash days. I know it hasn't been as good Philly, but like, you know, power play two guy, kind of all those things. But at five on five, I doubt he's really moving the needle unless he's in an extremely sheltered role. Yeah. And then on the blue line, they signed Kevin Shattenkirk one year, one uh, just over $1 million. Again, whatever. Kind of feels like they're going to move off of Matt Grizzlick's last year at $3.6 million. I would move over Derek Forbert uh, personally, but I don't know if they will do that. Uh, Jeremy Swayman is still an RFA that they need to re-sign. They have 6.2 in projected cap space right now. Uh, and then Trent Frederick and um, Ian Mitchell as well. So, yeah, I I don't know. I am going to go another C on this golf season. I just, uh, to me, it, it was definitely inevitable that they were going to take a step back. I just, I'm really curious to see how far of a step back they take. Yeah, I would go see as well because I don't really think it's their fault. No. Like, I don't think they did anything stupid. They just came to the end of the line with what was an amazing run. And yep. now it's going to be a new era. And that's yeah, things- exactly. Like, there's just not much they could have done really to, you know, like, I, I just, I don't even know what they could. They probably, maybe if they just accepted where they were and sold a couple pieces off, that would bump them up to a B for me instead. But they're just, there really, as you said, wasn't a lot that they could do this year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. The Buffalo Sabres, uh, another team that didn't really do a ton. Um, they signed Eric Johnson to a one-year deal at $3.25 million. Maybe a little rich, but one-year deal. Who really cares? Uh, Tyson Yost signs a one-year deal, $2 million. Connor Clifton, they give three years, three point three three three. So just a dollar under $10 million to uh, over the three years of the contract. And that has been their off season so far. They have $5.8 million left in space. Uh, I kind of wonder if they just go into the year like that. Um, I don't know. I It's another team where like, I think they're rightfully preparing for next off season where their entire blue line, basically other than Matias Samuelson and Connor Clifton are either UFAs or RFAs. Uh, they have a decision yep. to make with Deline this year. Uh, Yoko Haru, Labushkin are both up. Jacob Bryson, Riley Stillman, and then Owen Powers, obviously, uh, will be done his entry level this year or next year as well. So, um, yeah, and Casey Middle said Peyton Krebs up front are guys that they're going to have to make decisions on, Pozo Yost and uh, Olofsson as well. So, not a busy offseason by any means, but I think that's probably the right play. Just a couple minor moves here. Yeah, that's definitely the move. Um, they have a really, really good team. It's really, really young. And, I mean, really, if you're Buffalo, ideally you make playoffs this year and everything. But the ideal year to start contending is probably next year. And it kind of seems like they're prepared for that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just, you know, if there was a way to get, like, a patch ready on a one-year deal, I would have been okay seeing something like that. But... Just didn't seem like that was an option. So as an alternative, I don't really mind what they did versus, you know, spending three or four years money and you, and you kind of handcuff yourself with this young core um, to, you know, what the extensions you are that you can give to a couple guys. 
exactly. That's in like the the Eric Johnson contract. Like that's a bad deal. There's like a ninety nine percent chance his war is less than that money is worth, but you get out of it before the power contracts up. So like they understand where they are in the window at least. Yep, um, exactly. So I'll give them a a C C plus. Like again, I just uh, to me a B. You probably got to do a little more than just nothing. Um, even if nothing is a fine enough play. Yeah, nothing's fine. I'll go C. I didn't really. I like the general philosophy. I don't really love the Johnson contract, Clifton contracts. Forgettable, but not great. But I did really like that they nabbed Benson in the draft. So like potential steal of the entire draft in the first round, which is your highest leverage pick. So yeah, go with like a C. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. On to the Detroit Red Wings who um, uh, made a, a trade and then also a couple signings as well. They have a very, they, Steve Eiserman com- continues the plan of hmm, maybe it was uh, the, the brain trust as a whole in Tampa, although we'll get to them as well. Um, just an interesting off season here. Uh, let's start with the trade. So the Edmonton Oilers trade, Kyler Yamamoto and Clem Costa, and we'll get to Edmonton side of this when we do the West uh, episode. Um, but Kyler Yamamoto, who had $3.1 million left on his contract, Clem Costin, who was an RFA, uh, to the Detroit Red Wings for future considerations. So pure cap dump, uh, on the Oilers standpoint. Like I, I like what they did, Detroit, in terms of getting those guys. Those are two useful players. They re-signed Clint Costin to a two-year, $2 million per deal, so $4 million. I think that's fine. Um, it's not great. It's not horrible either. But then they buy out Kyler Yamamoto, which this is the thing that confused. It's not the end of the world. It's only 433K against the cap this year and 533K against the cap next year. But, like... You couldn't Why? find anyone to take Kyler Yamamoto or like, like you couldn't just keep it. He, he made $3 million for this year. They have $9.8 million in projected cap space with only Joseph Leonard aside. Yeah. Like, am I, I missing something here? I don't get this team at all. No. Like, and like, is there a mandate to just, be like try your hardest to be the eighth best team in the conference and they're not even that is the thing so like other moves if people are confused what we say other moves they they had daniel sprong one year two million dollars james reimer one year 1.5 million dollars justin hall three years 3.4 million dollars that seems a little rich for a number so good yeah five six defensemen who they already have plenty of number five six defensemen uh jt comfer Five years, $5.1 million, $25.5 million total. That is one of the deals that sticks out to me of a classic old-time free agency deal. Yeah. Yeah. I know his like, point totals picked up last year, but you're really just paying $5 million for a shutdown center, and he's going to be your, what, 2C probably? like. And You're not winning because JT Confers your second-line center. He worked out as a 2C in the Avalanche because of the wingers he was playing with, and even they went, no, we need to upgrade on our center position and did that this offseason. Like, yeah. what should that tell you? Well, and also it's a lot easier to get away with JT Comfer as your shutdown. As a shutdown guy, when Nathan McKinnon's your first-line center? Yeah. Instead of, God bless Dylan Larkin, but I mean, you know, <laughs> it's a different class of player. 
Yeah. And then they, they signed Shane Gostas bear one year, 4.125. Again, I don't mind that because it's one year or whatever, but like, yeah, yeah like, like this team this. just feels like they're trying to be the ninth, 10th best team in their own conference. Well, they're in the same like competitive cycle as like, I think them Buffalo and Ottawa are all kind of on the same general cycle. They might be kind of slightly different phases, but the general phase, I mean, they're the, worst of the three by a fairly significant margin in my opinion and they're still not as good as Toronto they're not as good as Tampa Bay they're not as good as Florida they're probably not even as good as Boston post Bergeron at which yeah. point like how much better is this team even than like Montreal like they're better but they're not that much better I just... yeah they're, they, they're probably like, I think their floor is a lot higher than Montreal's, but like yeah. that's the problem that they they have the lowest floor of the three teams you just mentioned in their cycle. I agree, Ottawa and Buffalo, but they have the lowest ceiling as well. well that's the thing because like, like if you wanted to argue their floor is above Ottawa's just because of like goaltending, and they there's like some of the Ottawa depth can get ugly. Like sure, but Ottawa has a legitimate ceiling. Like you can see. How Ottawa ends up with elite talent on great contracts. A lot. I mean, Chabot's great. Chikrin's great. Uh, Brady the Chuck, legitimate first line winger, could be a superstar very easily. Tim Stuzzle could very easily be like one of the 10 best players in the league, only making $8.3 million at some point in his career. Like, the upside is very, very, very clear in Ottawa, even if. Maybe the floor's not there. Buffalo, I think the floor and the upside are obvious. I mean, in Detroit, how do you talk yourself into them being good? Yeah, like you want to talk about Brady Kachuk? They just put Philip Zadina on waivers today. Yep, yeah, that was their pick. Same same draft. Like, if Dylan Larkin, like your best bet for upside is up front is still probably Dylan Larkin. I mean, Casper right. Marco. So yeah, let's say Marco. If and Raymond? Yeah. Even Raymond's been pretty disappointing so far. Yeah, like, how good does Casper Marco have to be for you to be pumped? Like, if he's... I'm going to think of, like, a second... If he's Dylan Larkin, are you happy? Do you think you're a contender? Not a contender, no. Like, you're, But you've probably got to be happy with that, right? Like, Yeah, oh, you should... That's better than you should expect him to be. I mean, he obviously has the potential, but like the median outcome is worse than Dylan Larkin. If he's Dylan Larkin and Simon Edmondson is also Moritz Sider, again. So you have two Siders instead of one, and you have two Larkins instead of one. Is this team even a playoff team in the Atlantic? They're probably, they feel like what Buffalo was last year, where they just miss. Yeah, and they probably don't get that. They might get that out of one, but not both of those two guys, so. Yeah, yeah, I I I agree. Um, yeah, I'm going to give their off season a C minus. I just don't really understand what the plan is with this team. Yeah, it's just I, spending a lot of money on NHL bodies that aren't particularly great. Like they have a couple fine depth additions or whatever, but I just to me I worry about the overall vision here more than anything else. Yeah, like the signings themselves. Like there are worlds in which five by five for JT Com for your. I don't think there's ever a world you're thrilled about it, but it, it definitely could make sense in some circumstances, but I don't think the Red Wings' circumstances make sense for any of the Red Wings moves, so I'm going to go like a D-minus. 
Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. And especially because like we were already kind of and and like I don't know, we got pushed back a little bit, I'd say, on the for ripping on the Andrew Cop signing as we did. But this is the exact same comp signing just a year later. Yeah. Yeah, you did it again. You didn't learn anything. And it's not like they were good. No, and like and one of the signings, maybe I can say sure, but both of them, it just it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. No, it doesn't. So. And it's it's starting to get a little more traction like that. Hey, is the Yeiser plan something we should doubt? And that's more than fair at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on the Florida Panthers, who made a bunch of small moves that I, I really like, actually. I think this is a sneaky, under-the-radar good offseason. Um, again, there's just not a lot they could do uh, until next year. Most of their team is UFAs next year. Uh, Sam Reinhart's the biggest one that's up. Luster Reinen is an RFA next year. Then Nick Cousins, Stephen Lorenz. Uh, Anton Lundell is an RFA as well. Ryan Lomberg, and then on the defensive side of things, Brandon Montour's up, Gustav Forsling's up. Uh, they just signed Oliver Ekman Larson and Mike Riley to one year deals, so they'll be up next year as well. Dmitry Kulikov, and then uh, in that, Anthony Stolarz is up as well. So their big decision is definitely going to be coming uh, next season when they have to make a lot of tough player uh, decisions. But for their offseason uh, this year, during in free agency, they bring in Evan Rodriguez, four years, $3 million deal. I, I think that's about fair value, maybe a little longer term than you would have liked. Uh, but they're taking one-year bets, as I mentioned, on Oliver Ekman Larson uh, and Mike Riley on the defensive end. Mike Riley obviously got bought out by Boston uh, and OEL by Vancouver. Um, I think OEL at $2.25 million is a, a very reasonable bet to take. Um, obviously, his time in Vancouver is an absolute disaster. I still think there's a solid four slash five defenseman in there if you just use him properly. And I feel like he'll be much more fitted to do that in, in Florida. Yeah. He's kind of, he kind of had the the curse of expectations in Vancouver. Like last year was pretty bad, but on average his time in Vancouver was just kind of meh instead of like actively terrible. At which point the team that has the Midas touch uh, for defenders I don't say this very often. I genuinely trust their evaluation of getting more out of the defenseman than is there on paper. So I'm fine with it. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of overall their defense course quietly this year. Maybe not overall, but Nico Mikolo gets a three-year, $2.5 million per deal. Uh, again, they bring in OEL. They bring in Mike Riley and Dmitry Kulikov. Kulikov will have to be an extra body, but – uh yeah, so, and, and then the, the other big move they made was, unfortunately, a cap casualty is Anthony Duclair to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, they bring in Steven Lorenz and a 2025 fifth-round pick. So they do get some value, but obviously Duclair is uh, much more value than anything that they brought in for that. Yeah. So, um, overall, I think their offseason was okay. They kind of, again, it felt like they had to shed Duclair just for next year's cap casualty as well. But um, overall, I think they did a fine job um even a c plus b minus you know this is a team that obviously they just barely made the playoffs but then went on that magical cup run i would have liked to see them add a little more talent just to try and uh, maybe offset some of the luck they had during the run but they they're we've known that they're so close to the cap that they just weren't going to be able to do that anyways yeah yeah exactly so what they did do with the, the money they had i'm okay with i'll give it like a c plus how about you yeah it's something like that and yeah, yeah, nice cheap bets. Fair enough. Nothing crazy. Yep, exactly. Uh, all right, let's get to a team that I definitely don't understand quite as much. 
And that would be the uh, Montreal Canadiens and their offseason. Uh, I might need some help with, I, I, I spoke about the one trade last week, but I saved it specifically for you to be back because I want to get your thoughts on it as well. Um, the Joel Edmondson trade, I do like, I think, you know, even retaining 50%, that's smart. It's only one year. You get a third and seventh back for a guy who is a bottom pair defenseman, in my opinion. What I don't understand, and I said this last week, is Alex Newhook is a guy, he's a fine player. He's 22 years old. Maybe there's 23 years old. Maybe there's room for some growth still, but like, he clearly didn't work out with a cup competitive team that wanted him to blossom into a two C to the point where they traded him. What are you giving up picks 31 and 37 for in this draft? I thought this trade was genuinely horrible. I tweeted it out and had multiple people citing new hooks, BCHL stats as to why this was a good trade. This is a tier two Canadian Junior League that he played in four years ago. And if your idea of upside is someone who did that, I do not know what to tell you. For reference, uh, Newhook's scoring record in the BCHL was broken by the guy who Carolina got at pick 30 this year. So you can get somebody with more upside than Newhook at 31. And that's just pick 31. Like, I hated this trade. Colorado, also everybody's like, oh, he's blocked by Colorado. Those were Habs fans who clearly pay no attention to the Colorado Avalanche because every forward on the Colorado Avalanche is injured at some point in the year. If there's a team you can earn opportunities in, it's a good team where the best players are consistently injured, which is Colorado. And yet, I mean, so Newhook's numbers don't look good. Um, one of the smartest teams in the league who desperately needed someone like him said, no, I don't think he's good enough to earn a spot. And one of the best coaches in the league uh, said, I'm trying to win hockey games and he doesn't give me the best chance to do so. Like, I just don't get the idea of where this upside is. I could maybe see the statistics being wrong. I could maybe see the coach being wrong. I could maybe see the organization being wrong, but I'm fairly skeptical that everything is wrong at the same time yeah and like like it, it, i'll take it even a step further colorado was openly begging this dude to take the 2c spot to the point yeah. where he didn't and they go okay fine i guess we got to plug in jt comfer who just got rewarded a five by five yeah because jt comfort's significantly better like yeah I... so like and even like I saw some people pointing out that they did a very similar thing with Kirby Doc last year, where they had Doc for the the mid first or whatever. And I said Doc had a pretty good se- se- uh, season with Montreal, but like even if Newhook turned into what Doc did last year, again, like I just don't know if that's worth the thirty first and thirty seventh pick in a good draft for a team that's yeah. not trying to be good right now. Exactly. Plus, Doc was better. Well, not better on the ice, but um, better prospect picked higher and younger when it happens. So the upside is less capped. Like everything about the doctorate just made significantly more sense. And yeah, even if you get Kirby doc, like, I don't know. New hook puts up 42 points next year at the age in which most forwards have peaked. Like, are you happy with that for a first and a second round pick? I'm not. Not when, not the that yeah like not when those forty two points mean you probably go from the twenty eighth best team to the twenty seventh or whatever yeah and that's it and, yeah like maybe if you're a contender that's fine but also 
one of the most intelligent contenders in the league said, fuck that. We don't want him. Like that would scare me as well. Yeah. So they re-signed Sean Monahan to a one-year $1.985 million deal uh, with very slight incentives as well to get up to $2 million. Fine. That's whatever. Warm body. I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, that's basically been their offseason. They got to re-sign new hook. So it'll be interesting what that contract looks like. I'm going to give them a D. I just, eh, the Edmonton trade, I'll give them a D plus, I guess. I just, the, the, the new hook trade made literally no sense to me. And you're only talking me into that further. So. Yeah, I'll go D plus too. And it's not like, I, I might even, actually, I might even go D minus because I thought their draft was really bad. They just consistently went off the board. The Reinbacher pick got way too much hate. That was probably their best pick, even though it was not a good pick. It was just yeah. not a complete off-the-board pick, like pretty much every... Like, there was lots of people in the scouting community that were like, I can't... I won't give a grade on the um, Habs draft because I haven't watched these players, and these are guys with like top 100 or 200 rankings. Like That is a... <laughs> I respect people who are like, I won't grade it because it won't draft. Because I haven't seen them, but like if you care that much about prospects and don't know who these guys are, that's uh that's a separate issue. And that's, a very that's, big one. that's a red flag in itself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. On to my team, the Ottawa senators who, Holy, who are these Ottawa senators? They make one significant move and it is actually spending money, which I genuinely cannot remember the last time they did that. They give Jonas Corposalo a five-year deal at $4 million per, um, I, I don't love this personally. Um, I just, I knew some team was going to give out this deal. I did not think it was going to be mine. It's not the end of the world, but I just, Corpus is just a man goalie. Like to me, he's in that range of like, what, 23 to 34 ish kind of. And yeah. he's 29 already. So this takes him into his mid thirties and you're giving him $4 million per. It's not the end of the world. It's just, I really don't know. This team continues to suck ass at evaluating goalies and who they should be paying long-term. I just, I don't know. Maybe it'll be fine. And if he, if he gives you league average goaltending, that's great. But like, to me, the upside is he's the 14th best goalie in the league and giving that guy 5 million, five years in term when he's already about to turn 30, like that, that's just, that's not great in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I don't like the term at all. If it was four by two or something, it'd be like, whatever. But again, like there's a legitimate shot by year four of this contract. Tim Stuzzle's an MVP candidate. And I really don't think you're going to want this contract on the books with Tim Stuzzle's an MVP candidate. Yeah. Like honestly, and, and I know Talbot probably wouldn't sign, but Talbot signed one by one. I'd rather just run it back with him at that price. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Cause the ups, like, I don't really think even they expect Corpusalo to be an elite goalie. At which point, why not just try to cheap out on average goal time? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't get it. Uh, other two moves they made: Jay, uh, Jacob Bernard Docker signs a two-year deal, uh, one way, so it probably means he will be up with the big club. Eight hundred five k cap hit. Really like this deal. I think you know uh, JBD will probably be their third pairing right D for the next two years, and eight hundred five k is a good value for that. And then they re-sign Eric Brandstrom. One year, $2 million. I was not expecting this. I do still think this leaves the floor open for him to be traded at some point this summer or into next year. Um, but as it stands right now, he'll be their third pair lefty, probably playing with Bernard Docker 
on that third pair. And I'm a quite okay with their third pair making $2.8 million total. And I think they will be an above average third pair for that price. So um, I am okay with that. That's the only significant moves they made. I'm going to give their offseason a C minus D plus. I, I just, I really don't like the Corpusalo trade. And then obviously the other big thing that will still be coming down is what the hell they do with Debrinket. So. Yeah. I'll say D plus depending on what I was to bring it. And like, I really done with you. I love the Brandstrom signing. Um, he's an elite third pair defenseman. And even if he's only that two million, it's pretty cool for that. Uh, but they, their worst move was their highest leverage move, which kind of sewers them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, there's only so much to bring. You can bring to the team. Whereas Corpus Solo, like there is a, you know, like if he's bad, you're screwed. Yeah, Carson Yeah. Um, All right, let's move on. Two more teams. Obviously, one is Toronto, which we will have lots to talk about as well. Uh, The Tampa Bay Lightning is another team, and this is, ooh, you want to talk about teams where I'm not sure what they're doing. This has been quite the offseason for them. Um, So they trade Corey Perry to the Chicago Blackhawks for a seventh-round pick. They also trade Ross Colton to the Colorado Avalanche for a 2023 second-round pick, uh, who ends up being Ethan Gauthier. they trade, uh, was there one more? Yes, trade Patrick Maroon and retain 200k, uh, and get in a seventh round pick as well. So they basically trade out their entire third slash fourth line of last year's playoffs in Colton Maroon and Perry. Um, which usually I'd say whatever, they're still 3.9 million dollars over the cap and need to re sign Tanner Janot. Um, and I just don't really see where they were gonna get like. How are they getting too much? I guess the, they're going to run Josh, Josh Archibald, Michael Esmont, and Luke Glendening at 800K each, and that's how they're getting cheaper in their bottom uh, bottom six because uh, Maroon Perry and them only made about a, a mil each. Like, I just, I don't know. Th- to me, this team is just shedding depth talent um, to try and get under the cap, but I don't really know what they do to stay under the cap. Like, Philip Myers, but they just re-signed him. So, like I don't, I don't know what this team does to shed four million dollars because I don't. They need to sign a backup goalie as well. I have no idea where that four million dollars comes from. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do, especially with Chino's got a sign yet. But it feels like the beginning of the end for Tampa, especially yeah. the first round out last year. Like they're still obviously going to be a good team, but it seems like now they're getting to a point where the depth's going to start getting exposed in the playoffs. And if the star guys even lose like the slightest step, they're not going to be able to make up for that. Yeah, they re-signed Calvin to, or signed Calvin Nahad one year seven hundred seventy five k. Signed Connor Sheary three years two million dollars per. Um, but again, yeah, it's still a fine team. It's just it's one of those things where the reason they were so well built is they had guys like even like Michael Asamont out of nowhere to come in and fill out the edges. And this is the first year in a while where it feels like they panicked and had to go get guys like Josh Archibald and Luke Glendening instead of being like, oh, Maroon and Perry want to come here, we will take them, or we just have an internal guy to replace them anyways. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, part of the reason that some of these deals are so uninspiring is like it's suffering from success things, so it's tough to be too mad at them, but like in a vacuum, it's just pretty... not a lot to love. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, I'll give their off season a C plus C I just C as where I'll go. Um, again, I don't think they've done anything like destructive or anything like that. It's just, 
considering they still need to shed cap somehow, I don't really know how they're going to do this. Yeah, yeah, I'd go C minus or something like that. It's just they haven't done anything disastrous, but I haven't really done anything I've loved either. I like the Dahan bet, I guess. That was nice. Yeah, and I mean, like, even um, like they love Terry Gamble and Logan Brown, Josh Archibald, two years, 800K. I think it's, it's fine. Yep. But it's just yeah, like Brown's a fine bet, too. I'm just. Are they better bets than Maroon, Perry, and Ross Klein? And Colton was an RFA, I believe, or one year and then an RFA. But like, yeah, it just, it just, are they better bets than what they had? I, I don't really know about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they aren't, but they couldn't afford what they had. So it's kind of yeah. tough. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. On to the final team. I'm sure they won't take up too much air here. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, they made a couple moves definitely on July 1st. Uh, I'll run through them and then give me your thoughts. So they Ryan Reeves, three years, one point three five per four, just over four million dollars. Uh, John Klingberg, one year, four point one five million dollars. Tyler Bertuzzi, one year, five point five million dollars. And Max Domi, one year, three million dollars. And then today they actually just signed Dylan Grambrell to a one year, seven hundred seventy five k uh, move. All right, let's start with the forwards. Uh, obviously, going for more "quote unquote" grit up front. Uh, they're currently projected eight million dollars over the cap right now. Um, I'm assuming that a Murray move slash buyout is going to happen, um, and I kind of wonder if these moves mean a Brody move is going to happen at some point. Yeah. One of Brody or Nylander feel like they're going to be on the way out. I reckon it's God. I hope it's Brody. Well, actually, in a perfect world, it's neither, but given the two, I hope it's Brody. Yeah, there's clearly more to come here. And this was a... I don't know. This was a weird offseason. So, yeah, let's let's start the... The obvious one is Ryan Reeves, where, like, I just don't get why you had to give this dude three... Again, this, this goes back to the Pierre Engvall thing. Who's betting on a 36-year-old who has, like, 10 points on average in his career... That you had to give him three years. Yeah, and the other thing everybody talks about is intangibles. Like, I mean, everywhere trades them the second they need a roster spot. Like, that yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say too. Like, everyone loves this dude's intangibles until he's traded from St. Louis to Pittsburgh, or then goes to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh trades him almost immediately to Vegas. You know, plays a couple years in Vegas. As soon as they need a roster spot there, oh, you're gone to New York. The very next year on New York, it's. Ooh, zero points in 12 games. You're off to Minnesota who didn't want to resign him. Like, I just, I, I don't get it. Yeah. It's literally the Simmons contract, but a worse player who's older, more expensive, more term. And this player was never actually good to begin with, where at least Simmons was like a top 30 player in the league at some point. Yeah. Like, what is, I mean, I guess he might just be a fun dude, but like, what is Ryan Reeves going to teach? the young guys or whatever. Like I, I, I don't know. Like Wayne Simmons, if you wanted to be like, oh, he's going to teach guys how to be a power forward or something. I don't know. I'd be like, sure. What does Wayne think? I don't know. I don't get it. No. And then, so they also re-signed David Camp, four years, 2.4 per, so $9.6 million total. I, again, like Camp is a fine player, but I just feel like you could find someone that what he does, or even different than what he does, for cheaper than two point four, and get the same value out of it. You didn't need to resign this dude for four years. Well, and the worst part, this is kind of jumping ahead, but I think it's part of a coherent thing. Like 
their two of their big signings were Domi and Klingberg, which are seems to me like a bet that your system will improve their defensive results. If you think that's true, why are you paying David Kampf money to be the defensive guy then? If you think you can just get more out of players. Maybe maybe the reason the team works defensively is David Kampf. I think that is complete bullshit, even though Camp is a nice defensive player, but like I don't think he's the fulcrum of the least defensive results either. So like, I don't know. That like this camp deal just sounds like the exact kind of contract you can't sign when you're up against the cap. Yeah, and you want to talk about another one? I'll throw John Klingberg into there. What the hell? Like this doesn't make worse. This doesn't make any sense for this team. The only way this makes sense to this team is if they're about to flip Morgan Riley and you go, we're getting John Klingberg for one year of term, half the price, and we can put him on power play one and then just shelter his minutes at five on five. Well, you're not going to do that. So now you just have a guy who's worse than Riley offensively, as bad or worse defensively, and making $4 million to do what? Play your second power play? Well, I'm like... Not only that, I've seen some justifications like, oh, we can't move the puck. Like, we need a puck mover, get the forwards a puck. You know, like, the last, they literally tried this. They took a guy with awful defensive results, but vaguely decent offensive results and bet on that the puck moving defenseman was going to see an improvement in Toronto. His name was Tyson Berry, and it went absolutely miserably. Why is John Klingberg with worse numbers going to come in and do better? Yeah, like it's literally yeah, I, just the Tyson Berry contract. Mm-hmm. Congrats. That's awesome. So, that um, went well. Yeah, I just don't get it. I, I like the Pertuzzi deal one year again. Five point five is that seems right around league value, and the fact that it's only one year, absolutely awesome. Uh, and even the the Max Domi bet, I don't hate on. I, I or I don't hate. Like I think one year at three million dollars, I think Domi is a fine guy that you can go. We think we have good defensive play, a system or whatever around him. He adds a little quote unquote different stuff and he can slide up and down the lineup like we saw him do with Dallas. To me, those are the two fine contracts. I just, I don't really get everything else they did. To me, there's no like coherent vision of what this team is. Like you want a puck mover, but you want to be more gritty in your bottom six, but also like you need to move guys out of your bottom six still. Like I, I just, I, I don't really get it, to be honest. Yeah, I don't get it either. I did. I love the Bertuzzi move, and I think that Domi move was nice too. Like, that's the exact kind of player we were saying they should be trying to get. Maybe it's a little expensive, but like somebody with a legitimate playmaking upside to go in the middle six instead of just you know somebody whose goal is to make sure neither team scores. Yep. Like, I if they had Bertuzzi last year, where they go get him at the deadline somehow, like this team looks probably so much different on that with him on that third line or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I do really like that move. And then Dylan Gambrell is that he's on a one way that won't matter too much to them. They'll probably just wave him anyways. Gambrell sucks. I, I'm just sorry. Not sorry. I watched him for like way too many games the past couple of years. He's not good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, fair. So I'll give Toronto's off season a C right now. I, Again, really like the Tyler Bertuzzi. I, I cannot stand the John Klingberg move. Cannot really stand the Ryan Reese move, even though it's not the end of the world. And just don't really get the David Camp move. So as much as I like the Bertuzzi move, which is an A to me, the other ones bring it down to about a C. Yeah, I'd go with the C as well. So that is our Eastern side of things. We will be back at you on uh, Wednesday, likely, or Thursday with our uh, – 
well, Thursday, I guess. Uh, there's a Tuesday when this is going out. So Thursday with our Western side of the uh, free agency recap and everything that has happened. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Check out all his work on his Substack as well and all my work at LastWordOfHockey.com. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week or this week.